0: Week we talked about, last week we talked about is it the end of the world and it wasn't of course but um, we're still here and still being faithful and I thought this morning I would talk about some of the uh, signs in scripture about the end of the age and some of the things that actually the word of God itself talks about, um, those things... That and uh, what Jesus himself said about the end of the age. So I've got a handout sheet at the end so you don't necessarily have to take a lot of notes unless you particularly want to. Um, and I'm going to read first of all uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. I'm doing this because uh, remember last week we talked about how many people were wondering is at the end of the world because of the floods and the cyclones and the birds falling out of the sky in America and um, all sorts of things. Some scientists think that um, many of the birds that have fallen out of the sky just in, in the world, some just said that it's um, just a natural occurrence, but some scientists have been saying there's been um, fractures in the earth's crust because uh, most of the places the birds fell out were over fault lines, which is interesting. And um, some scientists are beginning to worry that there's been uh, seismic activity that's cracked the Earth's crust and below the Earth's surface there's all sorts of gases. and These gases are released very suddenly and the birds flying over them um, just get like cyanide really and that's why some of the birds have blue on the end of their beaks where they just to the ground. Anyway, be that whether it is true or not, there's a lot of people asking the questions, is this the end? So as we said last week, we need to have some insight about what the Bible says about what the end of the age is called rather than the end of the world and also to have some discernment that we don't just have a knee-jerk reaction to what we see on TV or the newspaper headlines because um, there's always been problems in the world and you can I've got, I've got a list home a gigantic long list on my computer uh, I've got it off the internet of people who predicted the end of the world in various ways uh, right from like the first century right to now and you know you'd be surprised how many prophecies and predictions there have been the end of the world and of course it hasn't happened yet so um, you've got to be very careful of how we we treat it. So we need to treat it from the Word of God. So let's look at one Thessalonians chapter four verse thirteen. Right through to chapter five, verse six. So one Thessalonians chapter four verse thirteen. Paul's speaking about Christians who have died. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have died lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means go before those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive and remain shall be caught up together with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you about this. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labour pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you like a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Now, that's just some of the references in Scripture about what the Word says about the end of the age. So I thought this morning what we would do is just look at some of the signs that the Bible talks about as the end of the age and what to look for and then there's a handout sheet at the end that's got a lot, lot more information in it to be worthwhile you're reading. It's not controversial, it's not wacky, it's just saying what the word says will happen before the end of the age comes and then there's a few things at the back about how some of those things actually seem to be happening uh, in today's society and you'd be quite surprised at a number of them, at how far they've gone. Okay, the first thing is found in the Luke chapter 21, 11. You don't have to look it up, I can just read it out. Jesus said there will be great earthquakes in various places. Luke 21, verse 11. So, the Word of God signifies there will be great earthquakes. Now, this is different from just the ordinary earthquakes. Now, these are the 12 different signs that Scripture gives us to point to the end of the age. So, when we see these signs coming, Jesus says, uh, you know, the end is near. Now, there's always been earthquakes, but the Word of God clearly talks about it. There will be great earthquakes, not just ordinary earthquakes. Um, you may not know, but you can go on the internet and you can click on seismic site, geologist sites And you can see all the earthquakes that happened in the world last week, all pinpointed all over the world. And you know that there are at least 35 earthquakes happening every day in the world. Mm -hmm. So, you can't just say earthquakes. The Word of God talks about uh, great earthquakes. So, that works out at around about... Thirteen or 14,000 earthquakes every year. Now, those have probably been there all the time as the seismic plates crash and do other things. But what the Word of God says is going to be great earthquakes happening. So, when excessive earthquakes um, happen, then you know that, and, and if they increase and if they are regular, then you know that that's one, but not all of the signs. Um, many people call earthquakes an act of God, but they forget that uh, God's in charge of all things and that he just doesn't willy-nilly cause earthquakes to happen. Uh, They're as part of the natural uh, occurrences on the earth. So, that's one thing to look for in the 12 signs of the end times, when not earthquakes, but when great earthquakes begin to happen in various places, then that's an indication. Another indication is found in Revelation chapter 11 verse 18 where it talks about a great environmental crisis uh, that will be dealt with. In Revelation chapter 11 verse 18 um, the nations were angry, your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Now, we're not exactly sure what destroy the earth means because the word earth and land can be the same. And so, you could read it that God will bring a judgment on those who destroy the earth, the planet earth, by environmental crises. If you change it to the word land, which is just as possible, God will destroy those who destroy the land and that land in scripture always means the land of Israel. So, those who come against Israel to destroy Israel and drive the Jews into the sea as the nutty um, dictator in Iran wants to do. Um, those who attempt to destroy Israel a nation, God will deal with if it means an environmental crisis and God will destroy those who've destroyed his wonderful earth, then um, God will um, deal with those who've caused environmental crises on the earth. And um, we all know that there are all sorts of things happening on the face of the earth today. In fact, we haven't got time to go into it now, but I think you'd be uh, well very, very frightened if you realised some of the environmental disasters that are happening. And they're not all just um, man-made by foolishness, by carbon things in the air causing. The the Americans know how to manipulate weather patterns. You may not have known it, actually, but just prior to um, the great floods in Queensland, the Queensland government had uh, signed a contract with the king of Thailand. He's a bit of a, a scientific buff, buff. And he'd worked out how to cause rain to come in tropical areas and it had quite some success in Thailand. And the Canadian government were interested, but it wouldn't work there because the environment's different. And so the Queensland government, Anna Bly, the Premier, had signed a contract with the King of Thailand only seven months or so before to investigate how they could have an increase of rain because of the droughts in Queensland prior to the floods. Now, they never got around to doing it But the point is when governments, ordinary sane political governments sign a contract with someone who says they can make it rain in certain areas there's some science behind that and there is but it doesn't happen in every area. It has to be subtropical or highly tropical areas and the king of Thailand, a bit of a a kind of part-time scientific buff has, has worked out how you see the clouds and other nations are interested in it as well. The point is that if if, if an ordinary Australian government, a state government is willing to do that, imagine what's behind the scenes in terms of secret things happening with the US government and the Russians and all sorts of things uh, which we haven't got time to go into. So, the environmental crisis is a sign of the end of the age. Uh, how far you want to look at that, that's another thing. The third sign of the end of the age is uh, wars. Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 7 Jesus talks about this. All these quotes are in the handout sheet so you can look at it later if you want to. In chapter 24 of Matthew 6 and 7, Jesus says, You will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Now, when it talks about there in verse 6, you will hear rumours of wars and and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. The time is not yet. In the last 100 years, I often say this at Anzac Day Services, Remembrance Day Services, in the last 100 years, there has not been one week of peace on the earth. Somewhere in the world there has been a conflict, a war or an uprising. There's not been one week of peace. Somewhere in the world, over the last 100 years, uh, there's been a war. There's been World War One, World War II, the Korean conflict, the Vietnam War, the Arab-Israeli Wars, the war in Bosnia, the Gulf War, the Kosovo War, the conflict in Ireland, Congo, Rwanda, Somalia, Sudan, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. You can go on and on, can't you? There's been conflict and wars and rumours of wars all time. So it's not just that there are going to be wars and rumours of wars, there has to be more to it. And one of the signs that that Paul writes about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 3 which is what we looked at earlier, when they say peace and safety then a sudden destruction will come upon them like the labour pains of a pregnant woman. So one of the signs is not just wars and rumours of wars but when someone, governments, rise up and say it's okay, we've got it under control, everything's safe, let's have peace. The word of God talks about in the book of Daniel, a prophecy of the end of the age. There will be at the the end of the age where before the Antichrist, the great world dictator rises up. One of the things that will happen is a peace treaty will be signed probably seems to have been between Israel and other nations. So, you've seen many peace treaties signed on the lawns of the White House between the American president and the um, Egyptians or, and the Israelis. They've all come to nothing. The issue is, what you often find with groups like the United Nations is, when there are wars and rumours of wars happening, they try to bring about some agreement to stop the war. But the word of God says when nations rise up and say, peace and safety, especially peace, when there are rumors going on and wars and conflicts all the time, that is a sign the end of the age is coming to its conclusion. Because what happens is, is that most control now over wars is dictated to by other nations. We won't go into that, you can see that sometimes on television and all sudden things. Uh, The verse indicates that the end of the age will come uh, when uh, there's a great cry of peace and safety. And as I said last week, for the next um, two or three months on and off, we'll be looking at all the different things of signs of the end of the age. And one of the figures we'll be looking at is who is the Antichrist. Now, we're not told in Scripture who he is It's a he, not a she. But we're told the conditions around his rising up. Now, the Antichrist will be a world dictator who will control wars and peace covenants, peace agreements. And so one week we're going to spend some time looking at what the scripture says about the Antichrist. It's a bit scary. The Antichrist is not Satan. It's a human person uh, we won't go into all of that now. But he will end up being a world dictator. And all the conflicts and that happening in the world, he will have snap his fingers and there will be peace and safety because he'll control groups like the United Nations and the, what's called the New World Order. So, when that happens, that's the end of wars and rumours of wars because a false messiah, the anti Christ, the one who stands against the true Christ, that means he will control world politics, world military, etc. So we'll be looking at that one week. And we're doing this not to be wacky. We're doing this not so that we get um, like the Jehovah's Witnesses knock at your door and say the end of the world's coming to da to da We're doing it because it's scriptural. Because the Word of God in the Old and New Testaments points to the return of the Messiah or the coming of the Lord. But before that happens, there will be great tribulations. So, the first sign of the end is earthquakes, particularly great earthquakes. The second one will be those who destroy the earth environmentally or those who are trying to destroy the land of Israel. The third one will be when wars arise and people begin to say, we're in control of it, we can say peace and safety. The fourth sign, according to scripture, in Matthew 24, verse 37, is increased violence on the face of the earth. So, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, Jesus says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man. That's himself. Now, what was happening in the days of Noah? Well, one of the things that was happening in the days of Noah was that there was great corruption And it says in Genesis chapter 6 about the days of Noah, it said the earth was filled with increased violence. The earth was filled with violence. Now you could say the earth earth has always had uh, violence. But here it says not just violence but filled with violence. Now it's amazing when you look around that you see the world is just increasingly getting more violent. In some places, there is more control and safety. But overall, the world is increasing in its violence. And Jesus himself said, as in the days of Noah, what happened in the days of Noah? One of the things was the earth was corrupt before God and was filled with violence. Things are going to get more violent and more violent and more violent. Now, old people have always been bashed in their homes always been bashed in the streets ever since the world began. But we're finding an increase in violence against all sorts of people. And in societies like Australia, etc., who regard ourselves as a good society generally, we're finding what? An increase in violence. And how's that happening? It's being fostered unwittingly by all sorts of things. Most of our children are being desensitised. How are they being desensitised? Well, they've been playing all the computer games, all these games that have violent actions on them, shooting at each other on the the TV game, I What does that do? It eventually desensitises the kids so that when they get out there in the real world and someone upsets them, they just pick up a gun and shoot someone because on the TV screen, you're not really killing some person, it's just playing a game you are being desensitised to the horrible action of killing someone. And if we think that's a little bit wacky, that's exactly what America's going through. All those high schools where they've had killings, almost every single child who's done it, if they're still alive after the killing, haven't killed themselves and been shot by the police, have said they've been watching violent computer games. We're being desensitised you may not know it or not, but a lot of the American soldiers who were sent to Afghanistan refused to shoot the enemy. The American government discovered only a few months ago that a lot of the soldiers who were coming back who were like 18, 19-year-olds and others, they, a lot of them were, uh, were not regular soldiers. They were in the, their other defence forces there The National Guard and that, and they were called up to go to Afghanistan. But because they were brought up in a different era than computer games, and they'd never shot and killed a person, when they got to Afghanistan, many of them said to the psychologists when they got back, We couldn't kill anyone, so we just fired over the heads of the Taliban. And and they worked out that about half of the ammunition used by American soldiers was never fired directly at a person, it was fired in the air because they were brought up in an era, even the 20 and 19-year-olds and 20 and 30-year-olds, they were brought up in an era when they were were not desensitised to killing a person. So when they went to war, they just couldn't, when they saw a Taliban fighter, they just couldn't bring themselves to shoot him, so they shoot over his head. And they estimated half of the ammunition was wasted that way, because American soldiers came back and confessed to army psychologists they could not kill a person. The recent ones, however, are likely to go a completely different kettle of fish. They're younger, they've been desensitised. So, what's happening is the world is gradually being desensitised against the violence. So, it becomes easier to practise violence because you're desensitised, you're not sensitive enough, sensitive enough to it. Uh, we saw all sorts of programmes on TV recently about young people from all over the world different parts of the world who just just out of frustration because they're unemployed because the of all things they've been desensitized to violence and they're just doing it and the word of god says Jesus himself says in the days of Noah so shall it be before the coming of the son of man an increase in violent activity that's the fourth sign the fifth sign is that people will become pleasure seekers. In 2 Timothy, this is all from the Word of God. You have to look into today's society to see what's going on to make it fit but it's certainly, definitely there. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 5. Paul is writing to Timothy about one of the things that happened at the end of the age. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 5. Know this, that in the last days, Times of stress will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people turn away. Now, those things have been in every society. There's a quote by Plato in whatever age he lived that he said those things happened all the time in his society. But Paul here writes to Timmy saying in the end of the days these will be specific signs that these things are happening. As we look at society today we see many of those areas being fulfilled, don't we? But one of the signs is people will become pleasure-seeking. Now one of the interesting things about that is the rise of what we know as entertainment. Entertainment has always been in every society whether you do a few dances in front of the campfire around some African village or whether it's a vaudeville act in uh, some American music hall of the last century or something like that. But entertainment today is immensely increased and people are becoming uh, pleasure seekers. Everything in society today is beginning to gain it's aspect of, of, uh, of desire in a person's heart because people want to please self. Now, you know, we all know, those of us who are older, how, to, how when, when we were younger, if you wanted a car or you wanted to buy something, you saved up for it. But today's society is instant, isn't it? And now you can get 19-year-olds who haven't even got a job to get a credit card with a credit rating of 19, dollars $20,000. They go out and buy things. They haven't got a cent to pay for it. Society is beginning to pander to please your whatever your desire is. So instead of going and buying one kind of TV at the local retrovision store, there are so many versions of TVs that it's mind-boggling, isn't it? same with cars. Every form of entertainment is available to man now virtually. And and sadly it's crept into the churches. Many, many churches provide entertainment. They have, you know, once upon a time you walked into a church, if it was a Catholic or an Anglican church, you walked in a church building, what did your eyes see right in front of you? The altar, the sanctuary. If you went into a Protestant church, and you walked into a Protestant church, they might have the Lord's holy table up there, but if it didn't happen up there, what was right in front of you? The pulpit where the word of God was preached. You walk into most modern churches today and what do you see right in front of you? The band, the musicians. Now, what's that saying? It's a form of entertainment. It's really interesting that the word entertainment made up of two words, enter and tame. It means entertainment, the word actually means, entertainment means to stop, that's what tame means, to stop, to resist, to bind, tame, to stop you entering. For Christians, what's that mean? The more we have entertainment, it stops us entering in to the things God wants us to be like. I'm not saying it's wrong to have entertainment watch telly occasionally and play tennis and things like that. But when Christians take entertainment to the nth degree they spend more and more time in entertainment than reading the Word of God or praying or witnessing or whatever. Entertainment is rife in the American church. It is so bad that in some places in the American churches they have smoke machines like in a disco, coloured lights, they present uh, a drama on stage, followed by a musician, followed by someone who tells, fun- this is no joke, funny Christian jokes. The Word of God has never opened the Bible because it might offend people. So they have what they call sen- sensitive seeking services. Where the Word of God, where they invite anyone to come off the streets, and they're not going to confront them with the Word of God. They're not going to embarrass them about saying you go to heaven or hell. They will just talk lovingly about God and they'll provide all sorts of... You see it on YouTube, on video, on the internet from American churches and even some English churches and some Australian churches are getting into it where what you provide is something that doesn't offend people but pleases them. And So they walk away not ever having the Word of God preached They'll talk about Jesus, they'll talk about God as love, they'll talk about how God wants a purpose for your life and all those things, but they'll never confront you with the truth. Why? Because the Word of God is coming true. People will be actually uh, lovers of themselves and lovers of money, lovers that we boasters, blasphemers, blasphemous, disobedient, etc. It's increasing. And one of the big problems they're having in the American church today is pleasure-seeking services. In America, there are huge things like Disneyland, which are for, for Christians only. And you go into these big... and It's just like Disneyland. But instead of a Donald Duck, they'll have someone dressed up as Moses. But there'll be rides, water slides, uh, pirates' caves, all these things And and they're there to entertain Christians instead of going to spending their money, wasting money at Disneyland or wherever, Waterworld or wherever. You go to the Christian land. There's no joke. They're all over America. What's happening? Entertainment. Entertainment will stop you from entering. And that's why the very early Puritans and the Methodists and the others were very much against entertainment way back in the 17th and 18th centuries. Why? because it stopped people from entering in, to reading the word, spending time with God, etc. The sixth one is, according to the word of God, is that there will be increased financial problems on the face of the earth. In James chapter 5, verse 3, uh, there's, a, there's a reference there. It says, Your gold and silver is cankered. The rust of them shall be a witness against you you shall eat your flesh as it were fire for you have hid treasure together for the last days. In the last days what there's going to be is an increase in people gathering their own financial treasure holds and there will be increased financial problems. We saw with the global global financial crisis, the GFC and uh, economists are saying there's going to be another one, it's just a matter of time. And that was caused because banks were greedy. They were lending more money than they had. And what do people do? They rush and they try to hoard more or more money. And most of the problems in the economy is the result of greedy people, the wild fluctuations in the economy and the markets. The Word of God says there will be increased financial woes. The seventh sign is that there will be stress and disease on the face of the earth. Uh, In Luke chapter 21, Jesus Jesus himself warns about this. Luke chapter 21. uh, Verse 25 and 26. There will be signs in the sun, in the moon and in the stars And on the earth there will be distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts will fail them because of fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. In other words, the word of God says there was going to come a great distress. What's distress? It means stress, doesn't it? That's where the word comes from, distress and stress. Men's hearts will fail them. When that day comes, people will see the great distress happening on the face of the earth and people will begin to actually die of heart attacks, of the stress. You think about the great stress that caused in the floods in Queensland. You multiply that 10,000 times across the face of the earth. People are just going to find distress and stress comes and often many diseases are caused by stress. It's just a, a, a known factor. I mean heart disease is the number one cause of death in the world and, and many of that is caused by chronic distress. Um, anyway, this word of God warns us, Jesus himself says that great stress will come on the face of the earth. Men's hearts will fail them because of the fear that is coming. So, what they will see is an increase in great earthquakes, an increase in wars, an increase in financial woes, and all these will come. And that will just what, cause what? Stress an increase of disease. We're already having super bugs in hospitals that hospitals can't cope with. I heard a report the other day in the Royal Adelaide Hospital in Adelaide, in South Australia. Uh, that a a third of the Royal Adelaide's wards are closed because they can't be used in because they can't clean the superbugs out of the old hospital and they're building a brand new hospital. Not just because of that, but partly. A third of the wards, they cannot get rid of the staff, the disease, the superbugs in it, so the best thing they can do is close the wards. Superbugs bugs are going to come in. increase. We all know, you might have seen a program the other night about antibiotics on telly. It talked about antibiotics are wonderful, a great saviour of mankind, so to speak, in that. But what's happening, of course, is we're becoming resistant to them. And you need more and more antibiotics to deal with the thing. It's going to get worse and worse. There's going to be disease and stress as one of the signs of the end of the age. The eighth sign out of the 12 of the signs of the end is uh, what we call a uh, pharmakia, from where we get our word pharmacy. In the book of Revelation, chapter 18, verse 23, a prophecy about the end of the age. Revelation 18, verse 23, The light of a lamp shall not shine in you any more The voice of Bridegroom and Bride shall not be heard in you any more. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. It's speaking about the end one world government, what's called Babylon in Scripture. Babylon in today is actually the nation of Iraq. But anyway, the word sorcery. For by your sorcery all the nations on earth were deceived. Now, what's sorcery? Does it mean a, a witchy put No, the word is pharmakia. It means literally drugs. That's what pharmakia is. In Greek, it's the word pharmakia. From we get our word medicine, uh, pharmacy, medicine, drugs. The Word of God says at the end of the age... By the use of drugs, all the nations were deceived. Now, this doesn't mean just uh, uh, marijuana, speed, ecstasy. It means all sorts of things. But the issue is, what do all drugs do? This is the issue. What do drugs do? They alter your mind. Alter your mind. Even practicing yoga and certain, certain forms of meditation will actually alter your mind. It releases drugs. You know this thing called uh, uh, endomorphines? When you're happy, your body releases in your in your body and you feel happy. Someone does something really nice for you, and gives you a bunch of flowers and does something, you feel what? Good. Because the action of doing something nice for someone Actually, God has put in your body endomorphins which release, make you feel pleasant, make you feel happy. It's just a God-given thing. But what drugs do is to make you feel excessively happy, excessively confident, excessively wonderful. But what that actually does is, because you have no control over it, like doing a nice kind deed to someone, in fact you have no control over it. It alters the state of your mind. And that's why people who get into drugs like ecstasy ecstasy and speed and all the others, their mind gets altered. Now, the Word of God begins to show us in Scripture that what happens is that the excessive use of drugs to manipulate people in all sorts of ways will actually deceive the nations into a deception, which we don't yet understand what that means. We're watching a TV the other night about, you might have seen it on SBS, I think, TV they talk about it says, what's in your pills? And the amazing thing about it is that most pills have codeine in them, but the, the drug manufacturers themselves say there's no need to put codeine in it because the amount of codeine that's in a drug doesn't do anything except one thing, it addicts you to the next dose of codeine. So if they took codeine out of all the headache tablets, you wouldn't notice any difference because the, the scientists say the amount of codeine in a tablet is so small it will not do anything for your pain. It's the other elements that to do with the pain. But what the codeine does is it addicts you to the next level of codeine. So you need more codeine, more tablets, more codeine. It's a, it's a con. And there are many, many, many tablets uh, like that. And the Word of God indicates that by these very things and also just the general use of illicit drugs, um, the world is going to come more and more into that. You can read some frightening things on the the internet and and TV and that about uh, what other drugs are constantly being used uh, without us knowing to alter our mind states just bit by bit. You know, it's like the fog in the... Boiling water, isn't it? If you put a frog in a boiling water, it jumps straight out. If you put a frog in a pan with cold water and gradually heat it, the frog doesn't know the difference until it's too late. We're gradually, gradually, gradually being taught and desensitised to lots of these things. The ninth thing in Scripture that shows the end of the age is in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4, where God gives Daniel a vision And the angel says, You, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal this book to the time of the end. For many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Now, Daniel was given the vision of what was going to happen at the end of the age. But he was told not to say anything, write it down. And one of the signs of the end of the age will be an increase in knowledge, and an increase of people running to and fro. Scientists and scholars estimate that our knowledge doubles. In the last 20 years, our knowledge has doubled, doubled every year. So, the knowledge we had in 2010 will be doubled by 2011. Knowledge in science, knowledge in psychology, knowledge in pharmacy, knowledge in politics. You can go on the internet and and you can find out things that you never knew were there five years ago. There's a mammoth increase in knowledge. I also believe it also means there's going to be increase in spiritual knowledge, religious knowledge from those involved in false religions, but also in spiritual knowledge as we gain insight and revelation the Word of God spiritually. So as we look at the world of technology, the internet, we can see this, can't we? There's a mammoth increase in knowledge. It's just, it's, it's, it's too much. And 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 there's a mammoth increase in people running to and fro. You know, um, 125 years ago, the fastest mode of transport was a horse pulling a cart. It was on TV last night. We watched a program of airplanes. The fastest mode of transport was a horse pulling a cart 125 years ago. Now, the Americans have spy planes that can do 8,000 kilometres an hour, those U-2 spy planes. The average plane just flying up from Perth to Carnarvon in a prop is about five to 600 kilometres an hour. In 125 years, people are run and to and fro over the face of the earth. You can go to any place on the earth and be there like that, can't you, virtually? It's amazing. The tenth sign is false religious teaching. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers because they'll have itching ears. They'll want whatever teaching goes. They shall turn their ears away from the truth and they shall turn to to fables and superstitions. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. So Paul writes to Timothy and says, At the end of the age people are not are going to endure sound doctrine. They'll have itching ears. In other words, they'll want to go where someone doesn't offend them, where the kind of teaching gives... That, you know what the itch is? You get a an itch and when you scratch it, what's happened? You're satisfied the scratch. People are going to run from church to church, from religious group to religious group, and they don't want Don't tell me about heaven and hell. I don't want to hear about hell. I want to hear about... Do, 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 do. and I'll go to that church because they will satisfy my spiritual itch my, 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 and i will scratch it and I'll go away feeling my spiritual itch has been scratched I feel better but they never got the truth and I've, I've shared a little bit and I will share in the next couple of months of some of the sad, sad things that are happening in the worldwide church uh, about people running to churches that have their spiritual ears itch because they don't want to hear sound doctrine anymore. And, and Jesus says, false Christ will come. So, what's a false Christ? A false spiritual leader. Many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ, but they shall deceive many. So, it makes sense that some of these religious teachers and false spiritual teachers are also going to do false miracles to deceive people. The 11th sign of the end of the age is in Revelation chapter 13 and it's called the mark of the beast. And it's probably one of the most popular things that you'll hear people talk about, even unsaved people. What is the mark of the beast? What is 666? In Revelation chapter 13 verses 16 and 17 we'll look at this much more in depth at another day. And he causes, this is the great Antichrist beast, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell anything except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And then in verse 18 it says, this is the number, it is the number of a man, six, six, six. If you get your barcode on a, on a box of Woolies, of cereal, on anything is a barcode, right? And a barcode is made up into, into three sections. The first lot of the barcode will tell you the country of origin, and then it will tell you whatever, and there's another one at the end. Now, when they first came out, all those bars are represented by little numbers. And the first number was a six. And then there were lots of other little barcodes, and then another big heavy one in bold, and that one was represented by barcode number six. Then lots of little barcodes, and then another heavy indented one in bold, represented by the number six. Now, that's not coincidence. In America now, uh, you can, in this handout sheet, there's an article uh, way at the back there that will show you a photo of um, what's what's called the um, very chip. And it's a little chip the size of a piece of, of, of uh, rice. Now, imagine a rice, a, a bit of rice. And many of the... Um, the people who were in the Katrina, the cyclone, the hurricane in, the, in New Orleans and that, many of them, because they, afterwards, because they had such a disarray of um, of help not getting to the people, they were giving them these very chips because you can just scan it and you can say, oh, that, that's your name and you belong. We found your daughter. She's 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 at the, at the next... Uh, to where they care and go over there, she's over there and go over to find her. And and the very chip is, is being propositioned by President Obama as, as important to have for his new health reforms. Now here 2,000 years ago John gets a revelation, a vision on the Isle of Patmos and he's shown by God that one of the signs will be there will be rise economic system that you won't be able to buy anything from the shops, you won't be able to sell anything, you'll have no food, no water, anything, unless you have some mark. It will either be implanted in the forehead or on the Word of God says the right hand. Now, it's amazing that in America and in Europe already they started to implant those things in the right hand. You go to discos and clubs and bars in, in, the, in the Germany, and, and some other European countries. You know, you used to go to a, a disco, you, had the, you paid your money, they put your rubber stamp on, then they went to little bracelets, like hospital bracelets. So if you went out and had a smoke again, you want to get back in, you just showed them the, 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 the bracelet or the stamp, indelible stamp that washed off after a week. So they knew that you'd actually been a customer of the bar or the disco. They've gone beyond that now. And what you do, you get, you get a very chip in. It stays in there, And then it dissolves itself after about 24, 36 hours. So it's just long enough to pay your money out. You get a very chip. It doesn't hurt. Under the skin. You're in there. If you want to go out and go to another bar and come back to this this disco later on, you can do that. You don't have to show your pass or anything because you've got a very chip under the skin. And after 36 hours, it dissolves and goes away. That's a desensitizing process. Eventually, people, you know, you've got passports. You know, we, go, we went to Nepal. In Australia, they've got this new system. There's a there's a chip in the middle of your passport. Many countries are now having it. They don't stamp it anymore. I like to sing all the stamps. i had been all over the world. It was good. They don't stamp it. They just run it through a scanner, has all your information, and there little chip that's buried in the, in the middle of your passport. We're being desensitized and it's much quicker. Now what's happening in that they are saying get rid of all your cards they're proposing it in Australia as well there's other places get rid of most of your cards we'll give you a card and all your information will be in that card you don't even have to scan it you just have to walk into a shop and it will read it automatically Well you can do that in buses you know we go to Perth and we've got, oh, I've got a seniors card you know, so when you go to Perth and you're going to get into a bus and 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 you have this senior's card with a free trip. You just put it on this magnetised thing, and it goes beep, and it records that you're a senior, and you know you get a free trip. And we used to see people walk in; they wouldn't even take it out of their wallets. So they just hold their purse up, beep, and it'll go. So it will go through your purse, through your bag. You've got a ladies' bag. You don't have to take it out of your bag. You just wave it in front of the machine. It goes beep. We're being desensitised so that eventually, we will be commonplace to think, yeah, let's have chip. Let's have that card. Let's have that whatever. We're being desensitized. We're being softened for the kill. We're being fattened up like a calf, ready for the kill. So when the time comes to say, you need the chip, people say, yeah, of course, we've done that in the bus. We've done that with that. We've done that. To help the people of Katrina in the earthquake. To help. Yeah, well, wait. No hassle. Word of God says, if you take that during the end times, It's actually a sign of a mark of the beast. And the word of God says, any Christian who takes that will find themselves in hell. So, God treats that as a very, very, very serious issue. Why? It's only a chip, God. It's only a a bit of technology. God says, there's something behind it because it indicates it is to do with worshipping that image and what it represents, which we'll look at when we look at the Antichrist. So, it's pretty scary. And the last sign of the end of the age is a good sign. There'll be an increase in the preaching of the Gospel. Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said, This Gospel, meaning the pure Gospel, this Gospel shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end shall come. So, there's a lot in that. We've looked at 12 biblical signs. Now, if one or two of them happen, you don't say, oh, the end's here. They all have to come together. There's always been earthquakes, always been wars, always been preaching of the good news. People have always been pleasure-seeking. There's always been false religious teaching. But when they collide together, under a organised system, which is what the Word of God said is called Babylon. The word Babylon just means confusion. What was man's first desire to go against God when they built the Tower of Babel from where the word Babylon comes from? They built a Tower of Babel because they wanted to have uh, they, they would be their own god and it said it desired to reach to heaven now they weren't building by the way a skyscraper, give, they knew they couldn't get to heaven, it actually was a building that at the top that's where you met your god, so it was like a seven story building that's the little tower of Babel Babel means confusion from where we go Babylon that was the first time mankind tried to organise himself against God. And what did God do? He saw what they were doing and brought down and separated their speech and brought a confusion. Now amazingly if you see drawings of the Tower of Babel and then you look on page 12 of your little handout sheet I'll give you in a minute the European Union Parliament building in Brussels is identical to images of the Tower of Babel. The United Nations is trying to do what? Bring all people together under a common government with a common police force, with a common military, with a common economic system so that gradually it will rule the world. And as you read the rest of these other signs at the end of the age, you will see some of the amazing things resurfacing in the world that were prophesied 2,000, 4,000 years ago. This is not to scare us. This is, well, it might well do make you a bit nervy. The idea is to have a biblical understanding, not a wacky understanding, a biblical understanding, seeing what's going on in the world, not getting upset or worried about it, but being aware this is what's happening. So, as we said last week, when people come to you and say, is this the end of the world? You can say, no, the end of the age is coming not the end of the world yet, the end of the age, but these are some of the signs that is prophesied three to 2,000 years ago that will happen. And so you and I need some understanding and some discernment. I don't want us to be like the Jehovah's Witness or all the other weirdos who use that to bring fear upon people to trick them because that's really frankly what Jehovah's Witness do. What we need to do is to have a decent understanding of Scripture, not being dictated by the headlines on the news and TV or the, or the newspaper, but understanding what we're seeing in the world today with a biblical approach at the back of our minds so we can say, yes, these things are happening. Is Jesus coming back soon? He may, but it may be many, many years. It could be hundreds of years yet. However, by the time you finish reading maybe some of the things you see in this booklet and seeing around you in the world you would have to say these are as in the days of Noah just remember that Noah took 120 years to build the ark and and he preached what was happening all the time before God came. God gives people time to repent and one reason we're learning about all this is so that you can have some information at your hands if someone should ask you is this the end of the world? You can say, no, it's not, but hey, go away and read some of the things that have been prophesied and make up your own mind. And frankly, many people will read it and say, I didn't understand that's how serious it was. When all these things come together, then then we will see the time is very, very near. At the moment, I believe there's more things to happen, but it's rapidly increasing. So, over the next few weeks on and off, we're not going to do it every week, but we're going to look at, at at some of these things. The Antichrist, the number 666, the New World Order, all those things. Now, next week, we're going to divert a little bit away from that and we're going to look at how do you actually read the Bible and understand it? You may think, well, that's got nothing to do with this. It has. Because unless you understand some very simple, it's not going to be a heavy teaching, I understand some very simple, basic ways of how to read the Bible. You may misread like the books of Daniel and the prophecies of Revelation and make mistakes. So, it's very important. And next week, we're going to look at just simply how to read the Bible. Does the Bible mean what it says? Is that bit symbolic? Is that bit literal? Is that bit... Da-da-da-da? And look at some basic principles that you can use so that when you read the Word of God, you don't get confused and, and take a symbolic passage and make it literal, or a literal passage and make it symbolic. So, it's a different thing and you can use it just not for the end times understanding, but for anything in Scripture. So, next week we'll look at that. How do we read the Bible and understand some of the things that are in it? Amen? So, there we go. There's a handout sheet there for you all and if you need uh, extra copies for other people, then... Uh, we can get those for you later. But just remember um, the great things it says, Jesus says when these things begin to take place, look up lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So he says these things will happen, they may be very frightening, but he says that's not the issue. He says when these things begin to take place straighten, look up Lift up your heads, not just to look for Jesus coming in the clouds, the second coming, but also just to have a different focus, a heavenly focus, not an earthly focus. Why? Because Jesus says, your redemption, me, I'm your redeemer, is drawing very near. So that's exciting. And of course, when we finish all of this eventually, one of the things we'll be looking at will be that wonderful thing called the Day of the Lord when Jesus comes back. Amen? Amen.